Hello and welcome to Quest for Connection. Bowen and so delighted and honored that you are joining us again this week as we quest for connection in all my my lovely co-host this week, Susan Bollinger. Susan knows so much about so many things. She and I have been on our spiritual journey together now for more than 10 years and have co-hosted retreats and, and done all sorts of work together. Uh, Susan is an eternal student of the esoteric and the metaphysical, and she has lots of concepts that she wants to share today with you about sacred spaces and sacred places. So Susan, welcome and tell us what that means. Thank you, Deb. It's delightful to be with you today. Sacred space, I think, is a very important part of our connection. Um, And that's what sacred space is. It's a place of connection. It's a connection to ourself, to our loved ones. It's connection to our planet. And it's also a connection to spirit. So as we quest for connection, it's important to remember that sacred spaces are available to help us on our journey. Sacred space is a space that is set apart from the ordinary, a safe place that allows us to find comfort, release, inspiration, gratitude, and again, connection. One of the ways we experience sacred space is through altars. I believe that most of us think of altars as something in a church, which of course they are. But we seem to create them in our homes as well without even knowing on a conscious level that that's what we're doing. After we talk about a, a little bit, you'll be able to see them for what, what they are. We create an altar when we group a select selection of items on a shelf or a table. They may be pictures of our family or items from a great vacation or items of spiritual significance to you in your particular belief system. These items connect us to something larger than ourselves. In your mind right now, I want you to look around your home. I think you'll find some altars. Think about what purpose they serve and why they are meaningful to you. And this will give you some clues as to what you want or need to connect with. There's a description of sacred space that I particularly like. It's from Denise Lynn's book, and I know Deb will put this up on the website later. The name of the book is Altars, Bringing Sacred Shrines into Your Everyday Life. And this is her description of the altar experience. For a few timeless minutes, you enter a dimension beyond ordinary reality where light, sound, and energy merge into an exquisite state of being. Does that resonate with you, Deb? 
Oh, how absolutely lovely. It's just, that's beautiful, Susan. I have to tell you that as you are talking, I am looking around the room in which I am recording, and, and I counted six altars. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes I've, I've had people ask me, uh, particularly about crystal grids or, or any kind of that kind of grouping, and they said, well, can you have too many? And I said, well, you know, maybe with crystal grids you don't want to confuse the universe with all the requests, but, but when, when you put together groupings of objects and, and items that have deep meaning to you and resonate for you, you've really created a, an altar and you've created a, a visual reminder of, of an, an, an intention that you have set or a request mm-hmm. that you have made. You know, yes. and and I feel like that that's okay. I, we we I joked for years about my a lovely friend Jamila who said, "Give Deb a flat surface and she will build an altar." <laughs> and, and that is and that is very true. You you know, it's it's comforting to me, as, and I think you mentioned that, and it does connect me with spirit. There's mm-hmm. always that connection to spirit when I look at those altars, and sometimes it isn't even a, um, a grouping of altars, uh, of objects. <clears throat> For example, and, and Susan, you, you of course know the backstory on this, but I have on a table in my living room a chambered nautilus. And that seashell in and of itself is an altar for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because of mm-hmm. what it signifies. So the point you're making, which I really think is nice, is that is that an altar does not have to be complicated in its arrangement or its collection of items. It can really be just something that simple. Oh, indeed. Indeed. And you'll talk about this, I know, in, in a little while, but when you're out walking on the beach or in the woods and you see pretty leaves and you gather two or three leaves just because they they speak to you of a time and a place and a sacredness and a connection, those couple of leaves become an altar if you put them mm-hmm. on your table on your porch. Right, yeah. right. Deb, I want to talk about why we need sacred space. Um, we're going to talk about in a little bit, and we have already just now, about how how you might gather items for an altar. But We need sacred space in our lives um, that we can create to offer us whatever it is that we need at any given time, whether we know what that need is at that particular moment or not. Uh, It can offer us a time to connect to our intuition or maybe a place to find meaning or a place of prayer. It can be a place to ask questions and find answers. It can be a place of ritual or ceremony. And so at its simplest, a good place to start if you aren't familiar with this concept is to use it as a deliberate space to just breathe. So much comes to us through the breath. And you'll hear a lot about the breath in in many of these podcasts. Because chances are in the ordinary, busy, hecticness 
of our lives, we don't remember to breathe, to consciously breathe. Our body breathes for us, but we don't usually consciously breathe. That slow, full inhalation followed by a slow, full exhalation. Just talking about it makes you want to do it, doesn't it? <laughs> I did do it while you. <laughs> I did do it while you were talking. <laughs> if our listeners didn't, and I'll take a moment to do it with you. Take that slow, deep inhalation, followed by a slow, complete exhalation. You can do it as many times as you need to, but even just one complete breath just shifts and and we settle back into ourselves. So having a place set aside to breathe gets you in the habit of, number one, doing it, and number two, experiencing in a quiet and deliberate way how you feel and what happens when you pause to take those breaths. Sometimes we need a place and a time, even for a few moments, to find ourselves again. And when we do that, when we reconnect with ourselves just for a few moments in time, all becomes right in the world. I like what Joseph Campbell said, and this is his quote, your sacred space is where you can find yourself again and again. And that, to me, is why we need sacred space. Thoughts, Susan, I have a question. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. I do. Uh, I have a question about that because I'm thinking several several things, and I have a feeling you're probably going to go here, but, but what this is bringing up for me is I am very blessed. I, I live in a world and with uh, in a community where I have the ability to have sacred space, both in my home and both outside my home. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm lucky with that. And I also have the time to connect with that. Doing what you just did, that wonderful breathing exercise, was a great reminder to me that, you know, there are times I forget to breathe. And I mean that really literally. I, right. I, I literally, think we all do. You know? Yeah, and so thank you for that reminder of really just taking a breath. And I could feel my my body responding to that breath and saying, oh, thanks, good job, let's do that again. So so that's wonderful. But, but time and space to have that sacred space is not always an easy thing for people in this chaotic and busy and crazy world that we live in. Um, And I imagine that you have some some suggestions about that for folks. I assume you do. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. And and if I don't, don't, call me back to it. Okay. I will. Good. Because I can hear hear our listeners saying, yeah, well, right, you know, this is lovely, but how do I do that when, and this, you can certainly relate to this, how can I create a, a cluster of, sacred small objects on my table when the cat's going to knock them off. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind mm-hmm. of things. So just some, <laughs> and I know you can We both that. had that happen. <laughs> we have indeed. And so, you know, how, how, do we, how do we do that in an external way and find that internal sacred space? 
So those are the questions that are coming up for me that I, I assume you're going to get Well, those to. are good questions, and, and these are always the challenges. But I think becoming aware of the concept gets, gets the wheels turning about, about how, how can I make this work for me even in a small way. And I'll just say briefly right now, and as you say, we should get into this more further, I know mothers of young children who lock themselves in the bathroom for five minutes just to have a moment of peace and breathe and have some sacred space. Now, of course, they do it in a very safe environment. They know their kids are safe or daddy's home watching them or, or that kind of thing. They don't want to often leave them unattended and in a dangerous situation. But, but yes, I mean, sometimes it's, it's that deliberate, that, that necessary to just step away for a few moments and it's how you enter that space, what you do with that space when you're in there that then, then, then transitions that reconnection to self that gives you a moment to breathe. Mm. Other than that, um, we'll get into this a little bit more. We talked briefly about creating the altars or sacred spaces unconsciously or subconsciously with personal objects that are on our desks or on our dressers or on our shelves. Most likely they're representations of life's transitions or rites of passage, uh, births, graduations, weddings, those types of things. Objects that are sacred to us, not to anyone else, but just to us. Rocks, shells that have been picked up, sayings that are meaningful to you, items that bring us a wonderful feeling of balance and joy. So how do you create a sacred space with intention that we can enter with a sense of separation, of gratitude, and of, of again, intention? Places where, for a few timeless minutes, you enter a dimension beyond ordinary reality. And this can be the fun part. It's kind of a creative experience. Because you get to remember and explore and de- decide what makes you feel great and what makes you feel connected, what makes you feel whole, what makes you feel safe, what makes you or helps you connect to yourself and to your soul. And if you don't know the answer to that, that's okay. That's where the fun part comes in. You get to experiment. You get to try different things. There is no wrong or right. Trust the process. For example, what feels better in your hand, a seashell or a pine cone? A pebble you pick up in the driveway or a crystal? What kind is it? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be all or none. It can be the leaves that you picked up on a walk in the park or at the playground with your children. Feathers that you found or picked up. I personally have containers of water from different rivers that I've visited, so sometimes those come out and go on the altar. So maybe water appeals to you. Select a various assortment of items. A picture of someone special, maybe a grandparent who influenced you in a good way. You get to select whatever you want, put it wherever you want with respect to the cat. (laughs) 
<laughs> arrange, <laughs> arrange it however you want. Change it whenever you want. So this becomes your sacred space, and it needs to speak to you. And you only have to consider yourself and what connects you. And this space evolves over time. Um, Of course, we do as well. So it kind of ends up perhaps mirroring your inner self. And then if it doesn't, then you may need to change change it up a little bit. And Deb, this is what you were asking me about. Where you put these items is going to depend on the space you have available to you. Some people have a whole room dedicated to sacred space. I remember when I was a little girl living in India, our neighbors next door were Indian, and they had a girl about my age, and we were occasional playmates. And I remember being over at her house, and I'd walked over, and the little dachshund that we had at the time just kind of followed me, thinking it was a grand afternoon for a walk and that was fine she was allowed to walk over there with me and we went into her house and I think I had been there before I was thinking about this this morning there was always a room where the door was closed I must have noticed it because I asked her what was in that room and she opened the door just a crack to show me and she said it's our prayer room which was a concept I had never heard of before a whole room and a house that was the family's prayer room well of course the dog took advantage of that cracked door and went shooting into their prayer room (laughs) which kind of um (laughs) horrified my friend and it all of a sudden just became the classical uh scenario of two little girls trying to write the wrong that would be done done before the parents find out went scrambling in there and snatched the dog and went running out hoping that we would never be detected but that that concept stayed with me over time is that in some parts of the world a whole room is a sacred space which is really lovely but not all of us have that certainly not in in our culture so there's surely a small table somewhere that you can put a few items somewhere Sometimes all you have is a little surface in your closet, and it does not have to be a large area to speak to you because it becomes your sacred space. A shelf, a dresser. I've even heard of people keeping a few things together in a bowl. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and then you and and then either the bowl is out or you have to put the bowl away and when and when you want to visit that place and connect you take out your bowl and you arrange your objects sometimes in a drawer where you can just Mm -hmm. close it away from the world to see that's true too because sometimes they need to be private right exactly for some of us an outside area can work well as well it can be elaborate or simple as you choose it just needs to fit you in order that it has meaning to you once you've decided, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you you go because I I'm, I bet you're going to answer my question next. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. 
Well, I was just going to suggest that once you've decided where to create that sacred space and what, if anything, really, because you don't have to have items, needs to be in it, it's a great idea to create some sort of a little ritual to dedicate it for its intended purpose. Um, You can do this any way that feels right. You can state your purpose out loud, uh, invite spirit to join you, and by doing this, you are raising the energy of that place and you will feel that energy the next time you go there and that energy will grow over time. Okay. I hope I haven't made it sound complicated because it really isn't. Your sacred space can be as simple or as intricate as you want or as you need and it doesn't really matter how you do it just so that when you sit or kneel or stand in that spot, you stand in that spot and you know something in you has shifted. That's really what having your own private sacred space is about. It's about that shift. And I ask you to remember that when you simply light a candle with intention, you are opening sacred space. Deb? I'm here. I'm, I'm processing what you, you've just said. And okay. it's, it's interesting because as, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about how we gather things that morph into an altar, uh, a collection of crystals or a collection of seashells or this, that, and the other. And then, and then you, you took me exactly where I was hoping you were going to take me, which oh, is to intention. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Is, is to intention because you and I, over the years that we have been friends and doing work and rituals together, have created I don't know how many altars. I can't right. even imagine thinking a number, but a lot. We've created a lot of altars together. And we've created very public altars. Mm-hmm. You and, and Roger and, and I, for example, have created large public altars. We have created small altars with a very specific intent for uh, a long-term intent. I have altars around me that um, that you helped me work on creating that have been with me now for a long time. We mm-hmm. create altars for specific rituals. For example, when we gather at Samhain, uh, you and I create a specific ritual for that evening and that altar comes down at the end of that evening. Mm -hmm. So we've we've done that. But you still feel that, you still feel that energy in that space though. Oh, absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Absolutely Mm -hmm. true. So, So I think where I was going here with my comment for this was that when, when we, it, it really exactly what you just said, when we, when we create an altar, we do so with a reason. It, it isn't just, oh, a pretty bunch of pebbles put together. There's an intent for what we want. And, and for me, creating that altar is more than just putting the stuff together. And even more than, than uh, naming the intention or sending up uh, a request to whoever you you may want to talk to. It's also um, I keep a record of it. Mm-hmm. I keep a book of shadows, and and all of and that is recorded. 
Uh, for example, the ritual that we just did with a group of friends for in bulk, that, yes. that ritual went in my book of shadows. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? So, because that, and, and I wrote down what was on the altar and how it was arranged because that's important to me. That was I a make diagrams. It was a lovely altar, our in bulk altar was. So I, those, that's, and that's another way of keeping the intent and the energy of an altar alive is to record it in some way that we honor it. And I know you do that as well. I like that. I like that. Yes, yes. Um, I also I want, want to say that, yes, altars are created with intention, but just to remind our listeners that those intentions can be very different. Deb was talking about ritual altars. Uh, I think she also mentioned the six altars in her room. So, so yes, they are created with intention, but they can be created for different reasons. So now let's assume you've created your sacred space and maybe there's an altar in it, maybe there's not, but what do you do with it? How do you use it? What's it for now that you've got it? For me, sacred space is a place of stillness, a place of listening, of emptying and then refilling, of recharging my energetic batteries. It can be a place of meditation, a place to think more deeply about something, or a place that I don't have to think at all. Sometimes that in itself is a sacred experience (laughs) after some (laughs) of the days that we have. (laughs) It's a place to connect with spirit. So this is what I meant earlier when I said sacred space performs many purposes and can fulfill whatever the need may be at any given moment in time. And of course, it's a place to breathe, always to breathe. It's a place we can let go of the faces that are not authentically ours that we may have had to wear throughout the day. Sacred space becomes a place for authenticity to emerge. How powerful is that? Say that again. I loved what you just said. Sacred space becomes a place for authenticity to emerge. That's wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. As time goes by and we become more and more comfortable in our own skins, our less authentic selves begin to fall away. And we become more authentic in other parts of our lives. It's exhausting to wear faces that are not our own. Letting them drop away is like taking off a heavy wool coat in the middle of summer. And so gradually you become more and more comfortable as you remember what it feels like just to be you. And that is an important part of the quest. In sacred space, we've said there are many ways to use it. 
my preference is to play calming music. I like to light one or more candles, depending on how much time I have. <laughs> I need to have somewhere comfortable to sit, whether it's a chair or it can be a pillow on the floor. Sometimes it's helpful to have a crystal to hold or something else that raises your vibration. I like to burn incense or sage. You see, all of the senses have now been engaged. Sight, hearing, smell, touch. And a nice cup of tea for taste never hurts. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> but all of this shifts energy. It all shifts our energy and the energy of the space. So I encourage everyone to give this a try. And as you do it, become aware of how you feel when you're in this space that you've created for yourself. Because although it's wonderful to have a separate, dedicated, sacred space, you can then start to expand the concept by realizing that your body is already a sacred space. Mm-hmm. That all mm-hmm. space is already sacred space. And once and they- you realize that, it becomes about how you choose to move through the world and how you honor all the sacred spaces you occupy. I love that idea. Susan, we're at the halfway point. So let's let's stop there, if I could, stop you for just a minute, and let me remind folks of who we are and what they're listening to, and then we'll come back to the second half of our hour together, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Folks, this is Quest for Connection podcast, and I am Deb Bowen, the anchor host for this exciting project of bringing folks together as we quest for connection in all the different ways that that phrase may mean to us uh, as we come together. My lovely co-host this week is Susan Bollinger, and I am just so happy to have her with me. There are lots of ways that you can connect with us I'm going to rattle off a lot of connections to you here uh, in in just a second. One of the easiest ways to find this information in more detail is on our Facebook page, which is Deb and Friends Quest for Connection. You can listen to us each week on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. A new episode of the podcast rolls out on Blog Talk Radio and on our Quest for Connection page. And then that episode that uh, airs on Tuesday nights is then available also on iTunes under the Spirituality category, Deb and Friends Quest for Connection. You can also find out more about the team of the eight of us who work together to bring you this podcast on my website, which is debbowen.com. And then you can... Email us if you have comments or, or questions or thoughts uh, or ideas you want to share with us at debbowenandfriends at gmail.com. So we're all so happy to be able to connect with you in lots of different ways as each week we bring you a new thought and a new concept of how we all can do better at connecting to each other and the vast, vast, vast universe around us. So we're delighted and honored to have you with us. And let's get back to Susan's 
discussion of sacred spaces and sacred places. So Susan, where to now, my dear? Well, before we left the concept of um, how to use sacred space, I wanted to mention that you were, you were asking about uh, not having a place necessarily that, that was immediately suitable to creating a little altar or a little sacred space. And then, of course, the time factor, which, which is so hard to find sometimes. I wanted to mention that, and Deb, I know you have done this too. We've always had a couple of things on our desk at work or in the drawer of our desk at work or the corner of our workstation or in our pocket. They're great ways to remind yourself throughout your day outside your home that you are in sacred space there too or you can create in, in some way or another some sacred space there. It helps you stay reconnected to the energy of the sacred because you really can, with intention, raise your personal vibration and shift energy that way as well. And believe me, and this has happened to me, I'm sure it has to you too, Deb, when you do this, the people around you notice. The people you work with notice something is different. And they don't always understand what's happening. And they may even ask, but they feel it too. And it's wonderful. mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to have something always within reach to uh, bring you back in, into yourself and into that sense of sacred. I get the yeah. daily... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I just want to make two quick comments about that. Oh, Please. One is the dashboard of my car is an altar. There is an altar on the <laughs> dashboard of my car. You've seen it, Susan. You know it. Yes. It's there. <laughs> and, and then the other is that when we talk about raising vibrations, and that's not going to be necessarily a piece of, of uh, our episode today in, in depth, but that is a topic that is coming in the near future, is how do we raise our vibrations. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just needed to say that. <laughs> no, you didn't. That's fine. That's fine. I wanted to close out that, that section with a, a quote from the Daily Ohm. They send me something in my email every day. And yesterday was this wonderful quote and this is what I, I feel like having something in your pocket does or something on your desk or something you can touch that kind of brings you, brings you back to yourself. It helps you listen to the whisper beneath the noise. That described my workplace perfectly for many, many years. And I needed to listen to the whisper beneath the noise. So maybe that, that resonates that resonates for you as well. I love that. Mm-hmm. Comments, Deb? Well, Susan, you know, I just, I, you know, it's so deceptively simple, and, and you've said it nicely, in that I, in and of myself, am a sacred space, and that the way that I move through the world creates ripple effects of sacred space around me. And that the more I surround myself with a reciprocal connection to sacred space, the more sacred space we, we bring to ourselves and to the world around us. And we can do that with objects or not. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Have I summarized it? <laughs> You've done a beautiful job. The only reason I recommend objects is because we need those reminders. And when you reach sure, in your yeah. pocket looking for your, for your pen and you find the hickory nut you picked up this morning in there, you kind of stop for a moment and go, oh, yeah, ah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. And so what about his store or sacred split? I'll get that sentence out again. Sacred places. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I tend to think of sacred places as being either historical sites or known spiritual sites, places where the energy felt is not necessarily my own, but rather a compilation of others' energy. Places that have experienced intense emotion, and by that I don't necessarily mean only human emotion, over long periods of time have all sorts of residual energy attached to them. And when we visit one of these sites ourselves, not only do we sense that energy, but we add our own energetic signature to that place too. And it's important to be aware of that because what we leave behind energetically is going to affect others who come after us. Some examples of common sacred places, churches, cathedrals, stone circles, battlegrounds even, cemeteries, labyrinths, orchards, wells, the old family homestead, your grandmother's garden. All of these places hold an energy that is felt or sensed in some way. They're teeming with that residual energy. Now, the energy that's left in a courtroom, for example, or a hospital, and the energy left in a cathedral are two entirely different kinds of energy and they'll affect us very differently. What makes one feel sacred and the other not? How do we distinguish the sacred? And what, what is the substance that makes a place sacred? I compiled a little list of things that I hope Deb can add to because I, it, it's kind of, kind of an ethereal concept that's, that's hard to put into words sometimes. But I'm thinking a sacred place may be a place we feel obliged to pay our respects for the generations that have gone before, a place of gratitude. They may be places of healing or known for healing, a place where we sense the presence of something greater than ourselves, a place of utter wonder, complete awe, and yes, I'm going to say it, a place of connection. (laughs) (laughs) Sacred places have a way of waking us from our slumber and restoring something deep within us. You start to feel the difference of the idea between what a sacred place is and and isn't. 
I do. I do. And, and of course, you know, you and I have traveled together into some of the places that you have mentioned, have been in places that were so sacred that we couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. And some of those were not necessarily places that were where we thought they were going to be. And yet we have been in places that were considered for many, many, many hundreds of years sacred. And I think your comment was, I felt like this place needed a good smudging. <laughs> do you remember the, making that comment? Oh, yes, exactly. Uh, I do. An absolutely beautiful, beautiful building. I mean, breathtaking architecture and and workmanship and filled with sacred geometry and yet the energy in there was not sacred and I don't know how to explain that to to people who are listening other than to say that that when when you have what Susan's talking about that sacred space within yourself and are able to feel and resonate or not with the vibrations of the world around you you recognize a sacred place for what it is and then for what it is not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know you you that just and I don't know how to describe that Um, but but yes your description so far is resonating with me okay okay I'm going to go down a slightly different path right now because I'm not I'm not sure if this qualifies as sacred or not but I'm using it because it fits some of the criteria that that I mentioned I have a friend and and I don't remember where this happened to her but she was visiting a historic site somewhere and she'd been there for a while doing what you normally do at those places you know you pay your admission and you go in and you get your brochure and you're reading it and reading plaques and looking at displays and those sorts of things and as she was walking from one area to another, she was overcome with the need to stoop down and feel the ground. So she listened to that pull. And stooping down, she placed her hands flat on the earth herself. And when she did that, just placed her hands on the earth, she left this time and had a first-person experience of living in that settlement in that other time. Mm. She, saw, she saw people going about their day dressed appropriately for the time in that town, in that village, as it had been, and she was, for a few minutes, or a few moments probably is more likely, she was there. And I don't think she'd had anything quite like that happen to her before, and there's several different explanations for that, Deb. And I know you're aware of that. But I use it as an example of having entered what for her may have been a sacred space. It certainly made her aware of something bigger than herself. It allowed her to honor those that had gone before in a unique way, express gratitude for the experience, and who wouldn't have been woken from slumber after an experience like that? True. Wow. Absolutely. You know, you talk about um, her. I can have this image of, of whoever she is, and I don't know who you're talking about, uh, touching the earth with her hands. 
and and you and I have in being in sacred places have had similar experiences, maybe not that non-ordinary reality of going into a, a, a maybe a past life, for example, but we certainly have needed to touch the place that we have been, and you always need to touch it through your hands. I have photographs of you on your hands and knees at sacred spaces, mm. and I <laughs> and I need I didn't to touch take it. a picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have a picture of my shoes. Remember, we have a picture of my shoes. Oh, barefoot! I thought you were talking about licking the sacred stones. <laughs> Shh! Don't tell people I did that. Joel have a fancy nose that I was going around licking rocks. That's not a good plan. But, but we do have pictures of me being barefooted in sacred places, remember? Yes. And, yes. and for me, that was to be able to touch the earth with my feet. For you, it's to touch the earth with your, or the sacred place with your hands. So, right. so that, you know, that may be another way of connecting to sacred place, just to throw that out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and part of the point of telling that story is that if that had happened, to me, which it which it didn't, of course. If I had been there with her, I would have no more connection to that place. It might not have been a sacred space for me because I didn't have that experience. So I, I wanted to say that sacred sacred spaces slash places are sometimes very individual rather than global in nature. What may be a sacred place for you may not be for me. Absolutely. Right, right, and 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 even even the big ones, you know, the the like Mount Sinai and the Glastonbury Tour, Saint Peter's, may speak to many many people and and not to you, which is the experience Deb described that she and I had visiting a site, and coming out, wow, this is beautiful, this is historic, this is amazing. Many many sacred things have happened here but it didn't feel sacred to us. No. No, it didn't. And our experiences are are usually more subtle. Well, they are. I'm thinking, you know, you're a woods and river girl and I'm a beach girl. Yeah. And, you know, that sacred space for me is sitting on Mother Ocean's shore or swimming in her. That's, that is my ultimate sacred space, is that connection. Uh, you, for you, it's the river and it's the woods. So it's that nature. But, but the common thread between us is nature. Is mm-hmm. that for us, that, mm-hmm. is, that is one of the sacred places that's so really, really important to us. Right, right. And I think about people who live in cities and who may not... Um, and who may long for uh, a connection to uh, trees or the world outside of themselves that, that they may not have easy access to. And, you know, thank goodness you can go there with pictures on the Internet, for example. Um, sure, sure. You know, People use their so, screensavers for that purpose. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes, you know, uh, my my screensaver on my laptop is a lighthouse that I love very, very much. And that is a sacred right. place for me. That island is a sacred place for me. So, mm-hmm. again, it's about intent and about consciousness. And with that consciousness, that means that you have to listen to your intuition and use your senses to find your sacred places. 
mm-hmm. how each of us experience the sacred is strictly a personal phenomenon and it can't be manufactured. Does sacred space always need to be a tangible physical place? I don't think so, but before I muddle over that a minute, I just need to say that I can't tell you how many people have said my kitchen table was a sacred place. Mm. That All is absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely. Isn't it? I'm, I'm very blessed that folks feel that way about, about sitting at my kitchen table. Laughter, tears, uh-huh. good food, good friendship, love. Yeah, those are All sacred those. places too. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we talked about using your senses, and Deb, I just I, I was enjoying my my new little Bluetooth speaker that I got at Christmas time, <laughs> and was playing '70s folk music, and. This John Denver song was played. It just stopped me in my tracks. I hadn't heard it in a while. And, and thinking about the topic of this podcast, it was absolutely perfect. And it's Annie's song, and I know you know it. I'm just going to read the first, you know, the first, recite the first verse of it. You fill up my senses like a night in the forest like a mountain in springtime, like a walk in the rain, like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. You fill up my senses. Come fill me again. I can hear John Denver singing those words. <laughs> I know. I, I love I, I that really song. Had, I really had to try hard not to sing it, which I don't do very well. <laughs> but what a beautiful, beautiful song, Annie's song by John Denver. That'll, we'll, that'll show up on our Facebook page, of course. But, so yeah. th- that, that reminds us that there are sacred places in nature. Nature is full of sacred places. The river, the trees, the ocean. We just have to stop and listen and use those senses that, John Denver so beautifully described and feels the beauty of this glorious planet that we live on. Not everybody is fortunate enough to, well, not everybody wants to. (laughs) I I know people who aren't that comfortable in nature. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) But but if, if you're not, if you're looking for sacred places in nature and you happen to live in a city, I think most cities now have green spaces. Find them. Take your lunch to the park. Sit on the edge of a fountain. Watch and listen to that water. Feel it splash on your face or your arm. Uh, Let your grandmother wrap you in her arms. Uh, We have so many sacred spaces available to us. We just have to be aware that they're there, we need to look for them. And of course, these are the best of all. Sometimes we absolutely just stumble on them by chance. But only if we're engaged and paying attention with our intuition. 
from wherever you are on this planet. I encourage each of you to find sacred spaces in your world. Excuse me. Honor them and carry them with you. I I agree, Susan. I I wonder if, um, do you have a book recommendation that you want to to give folks about about this topic? And if you don't, I have a couple, but I didn't, I figured you probably do. Well, I've got one more, and um, that is Everyday Sacred by Sue Bender. Oh, for heaven's sakes, that's exactly what I was going to recommend. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And and you you can talk about this more, please. There's a quote, though, of hers that that pertains to this to me, and, and the quote is, with simple shifts in perception, each of us can find the sacred in every day. And I think that sums up what we've been talking about. I do too. Um, I, I yes, that's exactly the book I was going to recommend. That's so funny. And, and folks, we had not talked about this ahead of time. I promise. So there it was. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we. I think we sometimes get caught up in um, that dualistic thinking of profane versus sacred and and i i think that sometimes that's a true separation and i sometimes think it's an artificial separation and that it becomes the the defining hallmark the the line between what is sacred and what is profane becomes an internal judgment it becomes an internal Mm. decision it, it, about about what is sacred and what is profane. And, well, there's some and dogmas what, who will tell us that. Indeed, so and and I think that one of the things that that this podcast seeks to do is to move us beyond dog, dogma, beyond rules, and I use that word in quotation marks, mm-hmm. uh, so that we so that we make choices and decisions and live consciously in ourselves and in the world around us every day in a way that is indeed sacred and connected and aware just just aware mhm mhm i hear that right. does that make sense it does it does i mentioned earlier this is this is a phrase that that deb and i have used a lot lately Trust the process. Take, take your time with this. Experiment. Use your senses. Use your intuition. Find what works best for you. Because when you find that, you, you'll really, truly connect to something beyond. And that's a magical experience. Mm-hmm. All the magic, as our lovely friend Kimberly would say, all the magic. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, as you were talking, Susan, I was thinking, you know, for some of what we've been discussing today, uh, this is brand new ideas. It's like, whoa, really? I can really, you know, put two crystals together on a table and call it an altar? Yep, you can. Mm, mm. You know, so it might it might really be new information and a new way of just approaching the concept of sacredness to folks for 
many of our listeners, this may be old hat. You've done this for a long, long time. This is not new. But what, what I would invite you to do is to look at what we've discussed today, to listen to what we've discussed today with fresh eyes and say, have I become too routine? Have I neglected or for whatever reason not made the time or the space or the energy to live in that sacredness in a conscious way? And and now might be a really good time of the year to think, to, to re-examine that. And I just invite folks to, to do that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I think, I think the mundaneness of our lives tends to take over, which is what's so wonderful about the idea of even for a few minutes, a time apart, so the mundane, mundane doesn't take over everything. We can have an altar on the table, as you said, even if it's just two crystals, that's, that's fine. But if it's not acknowledged, if it's not used in a way that works for you, then it's just two item, another two items on the table you have to dust. That's right. Exactly. Susan, we're about two minutes away from the end of our time together. Is there something that you want to need to add to, to wrap us up here? Only that I would love to, to hear and see on, on the Facebook page uh, creative ideas from our listeners about where they've created altars, where they've created sacred space, uh, how, how they have found it perhaps, what works for them, how has it worked into your life, uh, where, where did you find five minutes for yourself today? <laughs> I, would, mm-hmm. I, would love to, I would love to hear some feedback that would help maybe other listeners who, who were dealing with issues of that nature. I think it would be great to share experiences and solutions with each other. That's a great idea. I will create a Facebook post that poses those very questions for folks. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being with me, Susan. Let me wrap us up here by reminding folks that this is Quest for Connection podcast. I am Deb Bowen, the anchor host for this podcast, and my co-host this week is Susan Bollinger, and we have been talking about sacred spaces and sacred places. We so hope that you will connect with us on our podcast every week. We air a new one on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio. You can find us on iTunes. We're working on that YouTube thing. That's a different universe. You can find <laughs> us on <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at Deb and Friends Quest for Connection. You can see our Quest for Connection page on my website, which is debbowen.com. And certainly we'd love to hear from you by email at debbowenandfriends at gmail.com. And all of that information is uh, somewhere on our Facebook page. So we so hope that you will uh, have enjoyed to, uh, this episode. We hope you'll keep coming back and listening to us each week as we uh, explore a new and different way of connecting. And in the meantime, we that you will continue to quest for connection. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.